Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than kind of what we have been doing for the month of May. It still is going to be completely mental health focused. However, we had a plan to be doing an episode this week on stress, both the kind of the positive and negatives of stress. We're, we're going to focus a lot on the, the actual benefits to stress. We do need some level of stress in our lives, and that is a topic that is very important to us that we want to cover. However, and this is why it is very relevant, it, it did not happen this week. Um, this was mainly due to the mental health charity event that was this past weekend, and that is the reason that uh, we are not giving you a full episode today on stress. Uh, Alex and I had actually planned to record this the day after the event, and as might be expected, I was exhausted. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the mental health charity event in a couple of minutes, because what we have today is a split episode. I'm going to give a little bit of a rundown of the mental health charity event, what we did, and then I'm going to pass it off to Alex. And Alex recorded for you all uh, a little bit about cognitive distortions. This is something that we did way back in our episode 69 when we talked about Davriel. Uh, Davriel kind of has a character that has this voice that follows him. Um, basically, it's kind of a possession. And we looked at that as his internal thoughts. And we talked about some introduction to thinking, the cognitive model, and what cognitive distortions kind of are from a, a basic level. Alex today is going to take a much deeper dive into that topic. Before we get to that, though, I want to make sure that we do a couple of things. Um, I want to first thank our sponsors of this cast. So Zencaster in particular is what makes it possible for us to keep this show going. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. Uh, they are a recording software for podcasts. Um, that let you do video, audio, you can have up to 10 guests, and everybody records on their own end. So you don't have to worry about audio being dropped or losing it. The other important feature is at the pro level, which is where you can use the Goblin Lore Pod uh, code, you can actually be able to um, auto-level your guests. It will do a post-production where everybody's uh, audio will be auto-leveled, long pauses can be removed, background noise can be removed, all of that is available for you before you even touch your file and move it into Audacity or whatever you use to kind of finish your editing. This is a feature that is incredible. And if you join now using our code, you'll get 30% off your first three months. We also want to thank Grinding Coffee Company. So Grinding Coffee Company is a minority-owned LGBT-ran coffee company that basically is there for gamers. That's who they designed their whole business model around. They did a giant Kickstarter. They want to be able to partner with and sponsor gamers and people that are producing content that are really in line with their values as a company. And they have been nice enough to work with us. The reason I also want to say thank you to them is going to lead us into the charity event from this past weekend. Grinding Coffee Company donated sampler packs to us for coffee to be able to give out this is something that they have done for multiple charity events for us they seriously believe in the mental health kind of cause they believe in kind of the stuff that the goblin lore podcast has put out and knowing that we were responsible as a as a cast to kind of help organize along with um seth cross our other kind of main uh person that was involved with the organization the logistics they really believe in kind of the mission of what the podcast is doing, both within our 
podcast part, our episodes, but also with the charitable work. And so I just want to say thank you to them. Now, this past weekend, uh, we ran a two-day charity streamathon extravaganza. It was 16 hours on Saturday and 16 hours on Sunday of pod after pod of EDH where everybody talked about mental health, played EDH, did a humongous giveaways, and championed the cause of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They are an organization that we firmly believe in. If you look at our show notes any week, you will find links to NAMI. You will find links to their articles on stigma because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and the biggest thing that Alex and I talk about is wanting to be able to combat stigma. All month long, our, our, our episodes have been, we did an episode on grief. We did an episode on talking about mental health. And these are really trying to hit that idea that, that people are not alone um, and that what people are experiencing is, is maybe experienced by others and they may not know that. And the one way to kind of break down some of that is to just start talking, uh, talking directly and openly about our mental health and our mental health concerns. The goal with the charity event was to do that while also still raising money for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. The reason is NAMI is an advocacy group uh, at both the national and the local level. Since we are using Tiltify, uh, which is a, a company that allows us to run basically ongoing donations uh, in, in attached to streams all day long, that, that money went to the national level. NAMI at a national level provides a lot of resources for family members, for people that are experiencing mental health concerns. It, it is psychoeducation, and they are fighting at the national level to make sure that the rights of people with mental health are heard and are taken into consideration as any health concern would be. They offer groups. They offer uh, family groups. Um, they offer educational resources that are available through their site that kind of can provide some of that information to challenge biases, to challenge stigma, to challenge the information that is unknown. On a local level, so if we're now kind of you know away from our event, if we're looking at NAMI locally in your own organization within your state, if you donate money to your local chapter of NAMI, that money stays within your state. It is made for advocacy efforts, and it's made for resources for people with mental health concerns in your individual area. And this is something to me that that means a lot. Um, I've done walks for NAMI Minnesota. I've been involved with them when I am able to because I know that the advocacy efforts are going directly to the people around me um, that that may be struggling with kind of this idea of invisible disabilities. Mental health is something that is not necessarily outwardly known and it's not necessarily something that is outwardly talked about. And we know that it can be just as disabilitating as any physical health concern. So I want to say thank you to everybody that was involved this weekend. I, 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 I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Um, there is literally going to be a clip of me doing a final discussion of the weekend that I'm going to be putting up that uh, mental misplay Alan helped me well it, it was on his stream where I I turned on my face cam and I I told directly how important this community is to me 
and how important magic has been to me maintaining my mental health and allowing me to be where I am now. I talked about the fact that moving to Minnesota was made possible because I knew that moving here, a place I had never been before, I'd already connected with people in the magic community. I already was going to come into more of a social support network, which is something that I think is the best part of our magic community. And you all came out just gangbusters this weekend. Um, in total, with matching from some charitable organizations, we raised over $15,000 for National Alliance on Mental Illness. Within just separate from matching, that alone, just from Magic players directly donating to our Tiltify, was over $7,000. We had set a goal of over of, of $3,500, which was already $1,000 or more than we did last year. And we blew past that. I mean, it just kept being people that were involved behind the scenes that were talking about this, the hosts of the games were starting to put up prizes to kind of keep this going with these stretch goals. And all of these stretch goals just continued to be met uh, one after another. I cannot say thank you enough to the magic community who came out this weekend, who watched our games, who, you know, joked with us in chat, who talked about their own struggles, uh, we were fortunate enough to have a military-only pod, something that is of, of personal interest to me as a psychologist within a veteran setting. We managed to have people from, I believe, all walks of life, from backgrounds, from just kind of across the board representing the magic community. We had games of CEDH. We had games of very casual, low-player uh, pre-cons. We were silly enough to run another four-person Quark-Off, uh, which was something that I got to be involved with. And if people know me as the goblin person. That was one of the most hilarious things I have ever done. Four players playing Karkashima means we've got over five games in in two hours. What I'm trying to say is that I just, everybody in this community means a lot to me. Um, the community is the best and the worst part of magic. We know there are elements in our community that that don't support kind of advocacy or don't think that mental health concerns are a big deal or other social issues that we as a community still wrestle with and need to struggle with. These things are important. These things are the weekends like this weekend really show me that there are people out there that are willing to help and there are people out there that mean well and and will will come to bat for for me. Um I also want to thank, in particular, the biggest thing is the panel. Uh, we did a mental health panel with myself, uh, Chain of Commander, Mana Curves, and and Robert Schuster. And I'm, I'm calling them out directly by name because they were willing to step into a position of being the first time that we have tried to run a panel as instead of a game during this. The four of us sat down and had a conversation about mental health. Chain shared a story of hope of his own journey with mental health concerns, getting therapy, medications, the good and the bad, the side effects, the brutally honest of what what it is like to be in the mental health system. Um, myself, Chase, and Robert, who have all been at one point practitioners of mental health services or worked directly in it, we talked about our experiences both as practitioners but also our own mental health. We talked about those. Uh, I, I, I 
directly noted my struggles with being somebody who has depression and anxiety. And I'm shaking right now, just sitting here talking after the successful event, bouncing because I'm nervous. I, I just, it, it means so much to me that I have friends that are willing to come out and to put themselves in a vulnerable position to be front facing, to start these conversations because that's what it takes. And so I just want people to know that. Um, I'm going to pass this off to Alex in just a second, but I just had to record this intro because we want to keep these things going. These are things that are important to us. From the podcast side, Alex and I have dedicated May every year that we can to talk about these issues and to come up with new topics on this. And we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to continue to fight however we can for social issues that we believe in. We have some stuff coming, especially in the month of June, where we're trying to look at how do we support those in the LGBT community. You know, I was talking to my wife, who's an OBGYN, who literally brought up, hey, have you just talked, have you considered talking about reproductive rights? Um, and these are things that I think are important, and we want to be the cast that is able to keep doing it. And I'm going to end here just because <laughs> I literally am bouncing, but I, I just want to say thank you again to everybody that came out this week. And I want to pass you off to Alex, who took the time to step up when I was not able to record this week and still make sure that we had an episode. And just, I want to thank him so much for being my partner throughout all of this. And Goblin Lore is entering its fourth year, and it's something I just, I don't have words for. So with that, I will pass you over to Alex to talk some more today about cognitive distortions. Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast, um, which is a little weird for me to be doing that intro when uh, I know, and by now you know, that is not how we're opening the show. Um, I, this this week was uh, a little weird as, as Hobbs opened with um, his talk kind of about the mental health uh, charity stream that happened this weekend, which was incredible and great results, but... He has a lot more to say about that, and you'll have already heard that. I don't have a lot to add, but due to that, um, this week's going to be a little weird for us with all the planning going on beforehand and then all of the work that Hobbs did over the weekend. He is just exhausted, um, and I've I've got some other stuff going on too, so I, we, were, we were trying to schedule things, and it just kind of didn't work to schedule a normal episode this week, so we're doing this. Um, you have whatever the intro is from him. I suppose I might as well introduce myself, seeing as I'm going right into it anyway. I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at uh, Mel underscore Chronicler, and my pronouns are he, him. Um, and so, but today we, it's still Mental Health Awareness Month. It's still May, and we want to continue to bring you uh, episodes about mental health and a real focus on mental health. And despite the fact that we are kind of tired and having trouble scheduling things this week, we we wanted to do something. So. Uh, you have the sort of intro to the topic of cognitive distortions that uh, Hobbes led with um, just due to the time travel and magic of podcasting. I don't know exactly what that is, but you and I have talked about the topic enough. Um, I, I can kind of pick it up and run with it. I'm going to run through uh, I have this list of 15. It's an article that Hobbes will have in the show notes as well. As I'm just by myself, normally we like to do these uh, the last time we did this conversation, the the last episode we did, it was a good conversation. We have we had Hobbs and I, and we talked through things with just me on the mic. Um, it's a little, I can't get a conversation. It's literally just me. That's how that works. 
So I'm not going to go too into detail. I do want to go through all 15 that are in this list. I'll talk a little bit personally about a, a few examples for myself. Um, but I do want to kind of give a quick overview of this. This resource will be in the show notes. Also, if you want to go a little deeper, um, we were convinced, Hobbs and I, absolutely sure that we talked about cognitive distortions last year during uh, May. Turns out that both of those assumptions were incorrect. Uh, when I went and looked, the last time we talked about this was episode 69. That was in April of 2020. So we neither talked about it during May, nor talked about it last year. It has been a while. Um, so I'm glad we're, we're back to it. I, I honestly was thinking about trying to aim for it next year, thinking that we had done it last year. And uh, this topic, like many topics, I like to say, you know, if it's worth talking about once, it's usually worth talking about multiple times. Getting a refresher is good. Getting a reminder is good. And new folks join. I'm going to guess that we have some listeners now that we didn't have back two years, a little over two years ago at this point. So it would be good to refresh this conversation a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, again, with just me, there's not going to be a lot of conversation, but I can give you some ideas from, of what this is, some understanding and kind of go through um, this particular list a little bit. And then you can go, there's, there'll be more resources, including, like I said, episode 69 from April 22nd is what I have listed as our published date. So depending on how your podcast app, whatever you use, sorts things, if you can scroll it back two years, you'll find uh, our previous episode about this topic where we talked about uh, Davriel Kane, Davriel the Planeswalker, and his kind of things with this entity that he has and some of Davril's abilities. I'm not going to rehash it too much right now. Um, and as we had that particular lore tie-in this month. We were hoping to have lore tie-ins for all of our episodes, and I'm going to just have to kind of kick it forward to that. You know, with, with between the community topic that uh, Hobbs covered with the uh, charity event and the fact that we had a previous lore tie-in that if you are interested – uh, we did talk about in that episode where you just look into Davriel as a character. There's resources for that, too, if you're interested. But anyway, so what is a, a cognitive distortion? And so these are thought patterns that are um, exaggerated by negative thinking. These are thought patterns that don't necessarily represent reality. Sometimes they, they filter events that are happening in a way that we are not um, getting them clearly. We're getting distorted. It's a distorted thinking um, method, method of, of thinking. And, and so, again, there's a lot of details in this, this um, article. I'll kind of go through, I'm going to just start with this list here. So the first one on the list is polarized thinking. This is all or nothing. Um, this one, for, for me, an example that I know I have uh, and, and I hear a lot, I think a, a common example of this, uh, all or nothing or black or white thinking, but it's things like trying to quit smoking, uh, trying to lose weight. This is often where we talk about goal setting, like one of the big um, big pitfalls or mistakes that are often made for things like uh, New Year's resolutions, or you kind of set up with this all or nothing thinking. You're like, I'm going to quit smoking now, or I'm going to work out every week, or I'm going to do this thing every day. And then you get two days, two weeks, a month and a half, sometimes longer even, where you get part of the way into the year and just go, well, I missed it once. It's done now. I'll just start again next year. Or, or the uh, smoking is a good example, or 
if, if you know, you're, you're dealing with um, alcoholism and you're trying, you know, you fall off the wagon one time and then you just rather than, okay, let's try again, go back and, and work again. It's just a, well, it's lost. And then that could lead to relapse and cause all sorts of issues. And I think this is a, a good example of this polarized thinking. Um, mental filtering is another one. I sort of, as, as item two, kind of re- uh, alluded to it previously. So these, um, what they talk about here, so there's two versions in this article. There's negative mental filtering and positive mental filtering. I mean, the negative, I think, pretty straightforward things of you will often, you know, you'll magnify the negative details. You'll dwell on those. You'll lose out. Um, you'll miss out on other things. Uh, this can often happen with depression. I know when um, to talk about lore stuff, Quite a while ago, a couple of years ago, I believe, uh, Chase was on the podcast and, and the three of us talked about Karn as a character. Um, and because and, he's one of the few characters in the sort of the lore of magic who has very specifically in lore callouts has been depressed, has had um, mental health struggles that have been named as, as I mean, and there's... I think of it as like lowercase or uppercase D depression, lowercase, maybe everyone there is a thing that so everyone can deal with where uppercase perhaps is a, a formal diagnosis. We don't know that Karn has had a formal diagnosis, but he has definitely dealt with serious bouts of depression. Um, and in one of those, he was on Mirrodin after, after having built Mirrodin and he surveyed the cosmos. He sent these uh, little contraptions to go out and, and, look at all the worlds and see all the things out here. And I can't remember the line from the story, but it was something like all he saw was the the terrible things. And all he saw was the suffering and the bad stuff. And so like he, he is looking at the cosmos, which in our non-magical cosmos, there are some amazingly, fantastically amazing things. I'm running out of superlatives, but just some really cool and incredible things just within the stellar sphere of things, just the astronomical stuff. And you're looking at the, you know, the incredible things from pulsars and black holes and all of this, this stuff, the gas giants, like just Jupiter looks amazing when we you know, we're finally getting these wonderful pictures from, from satellites that can, can take higher resolution photos and send them back to earth. And this is just a piece of what we're seeing. This is Karn is in a magical universe that is going to have things that defy our, our understanding of physics, our understanding of the things that are possible. And despite this, all he's seeing are the negative things. He's and, and don't get me wrong. There are probably lots of negative things. We get that from the lore, lots of different worlds. You have wars and struggle struggles and strife, but the fact that he's only seeing those negative things is, is a good example of this negative mental filtering. Um, and disqualifying the positive is, is part of that. And then part of that too can be things where like uh, disqualifying the positive in, in particular can be things like you do really well at work and your supervisor, you know, gives you a congratulations and it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I just happen to be good at this thing or it's not a big deal. Lots of people contributed. And, and that's probably true that people did contribute, but that doesn't negate the fact that you might have done a good job. And I know I do <laughs> disqualifying the positive a lot myself. I tend to um, dissemble and and not always uh, accept the those compliments and not always accept that positive thing. I kind of just brush it off. 
um, overgeneralization is the is the next one. Sorry, <laughs> jumping into the next one. Um, so this is when a person focuses on a single event and makes conclusions based on a single piece of, of negative evidence. Um, their example, a student receives a bad grade on one exam and just assumes that they're stupid and a failure. I mean, it, I think that one is is a fairly straightforward thing. I'm sure as you're listening to this, you probably have an example in your mind, either a specific example or, or a generalized one. Um, so I'll move on to this. The next one here is jumping to conclusions. Um, they say there's two different types here, jumping to conclusions, and uh, both consist of jumping to conclusions and making assumptions. Uh, the first is mind reading. This is when you think you know what the other person is thinking, you assume their reasons and intentions, and um, take that interpretation as the only valid reasoning. Uh, um don't want to go too deep into this, but I did have an example of this that happened to myself uh, when I was living with uh, my first roommate, who was a good friend of mine. We're still very good friends, but there was a circumstance where just getting to the, the early getting to know each other phase of, of living together, um, I sent a mess. I sent a text message to him. I was just a quick little message, but he, based on his own uh, assumptions, based on his own lived experience assumed things about the message that were absolutely not true. And he came home really upset and ready to fight. And as and like within 30 seconds, I just, yeah, I uh, understand where you're coming from. <laughs> not a, you know, it's, I agree with you. And then realize that there isn't a fight to be had. And he, that kind of lost his head of steam there. So then we can go to, okay. Um, into fortune telling. This is also part of jumping to conclusions. Um, this is just this is similar to mind reading, um, in that it pure, it's purely based on your assumptions. It's when you make conclusions or predictions based on little to no evidence. And I'm sure, we all think of examples of that. Quick and easy one they have here is just you you uh, have a date with a wonderful person, but you predict it'll go poorly. Uh, you start making assumptions about how the date will go before it has even started, based on no actual evidence. Uh, number five is catastrophizing. Um, so this is when thoughts occur, uh, catastrophizing thoughts occur when the magnitude is exaggerated or diminished. I mean, this, I think, uh, and one thing I realize I'm five in and I haven't really prefaced this too much in, in these conversations too. One thing to mention is there is definitely some overlap. Some of there are, there are going to be examples that can hit multiple things. And I think this is, you know, this is one that's going to overlap with other things sometimes too. It's, it's just, it's an over, uh, over exaggeration of, of thought of a thought. It's taking one potentially, you know, bad or, or not great thing and just blowing it up. Uh, their example, a person is meeting a date for lunch. However, the, the date is running late. So this person assumes the worst. It, um, you know, it could quickly exaggerate into all sorts, you know, all sorts of things. A person got in an accident. There's st stood me up. There's all sorts of potential things when, you know, if they're running a little late, there's also a lot of reasonable explanations for why a person might be late. And just jumping to that assumption is, it's a cognitive distortion. That's why, that's why we're talking about it in this conversation. It's not to say that some of those things are unrealistic or impossible. Sometimes the kind of distortions are unrealistic or impossible things. And sometimes it's just 
you jump past for, you know, the most likely things. You jump to something that's possible, but much less likely. And especially then you start kind of rolling downhill with it and building up this head of steam. And it's like, just let the data and you just see what happens. Minimization is kind of the opposite. It's the same thing. It's um, say it's, it's a little bit like the uh, disqualifying the positive here where minimization would be, you know, uh, minimizing positive experiences. Maybe you win an award, but you just sort of play it down and say others, you know, maybe they deserved it more or others contributed enough that it wasn't just me. And so I don't really deserve this recognition myself. So anything like that. Um, number six is personalization. So this is when you take things personally. You you um, assume direct and personal reaction to things that have nothing to do with you. Uh, maybe their example here is you attend a party, but your friends are uh, all busy engaging with other people. Um, so then you feel like they have no interest in being your friend and engaging, and then they feel like they're unfairly excluding you. And, and it just kind of, again, cascades, rolls downhill. You start to have these feelings, these thoughts, and that sort of builds on itself. And then you start to act on those things and then that can cause harm. And that's kind of part of what we're talking about here is it's not just when thoughts are sort of out of sync with um, reality. It's it's also when that is starting to cause you to um, act and behave or prompts you to act and behave in ways that start to cause negative effects and things that you don't really want to have happen. Obviously, in, in this particular example, you are friends with people because you like spending time with them and you like these people. And so if you, if this is a sort of uh, cognitive distortion that, that um, your brain engages in, if this is a sort of thing that happens with in, within your, your thought processes and it causes you to start to act like your friends or to, to believe that they don't uh, want to be friends with you or that they are intentionally excluding you, then it starts to, lead into issues and that can cause actual friction that can cause actual problems that can can cascade and so finding running into this example if you run into this sort of thing and you're in this situation and you start to have those feelings you start to have those thoughts questioning those taking a step back and that's another part of of recognizing and talking about these cognitive distortions is finding ways to kind of get out of that finding ways to diffuse that for yourself and taking a step back analyzing the situation asking do you have enough data is example for for the you know minimization and the magnification under under the previous the catastrophizing a lot of times that is a it's a cognitive distortion because you don't have the the magnification in particular you may not have the information to make to know what is happening or to know the cause of something but then so then jumping to a conclusion previous one can often cause you know you to go down the wrong path which then leads into into some some issues and um so go to number seven which is blaming this is kind of i i think there's some overlap here with personalization almost in the inverse maybe um this is uh Oh, I'm misreading this. Anyway, this is uh, consists of blaming others for their problems. So uh, different from personalization and that the person directs blame externally. So rather than blaming themselves or taking responsibility, this person plays the victim. I, I Again, I unfortunately, I think most of us probably have an example of this, a previous coworker, a previous, you know, a partner, a sibling or something like that, someone who um, 
will do something than when you know the the sort of internet meme of messing around and finding out and then when they find out it's you know then they claim that it was not their fault that it's somebody else's fault this is you know this person's fault for this and that um Labeling is the the next one. Uh, they call this an extreme ver- form of overgeneralization. Um, this is when you assign judgments to yourself based on one negative occurrence or incident. I mean, this could be things uh, often we we talk about sort of fairly or unfairly. I think it is a fairly accurate thing to say that first impressions often leave a lasting impression. That often. Your first impression of a person or a thing or a place the first time you go to this restaurant if it's you know hasn't been the, the the floor hasn't been mopped in a while in the serving area or things haven't been cleaned You're, there's all sorts of things where the first impression can can lead to this now that can be some other things too but that's a piece of data and and taking a single piece of data and assigning judgment and I think this is mostly about people. So maybe I'm getting a little off base here as I'm, as I'm meandering with my, my talk. But if you are assigning judgment to yourself, and, and that's one thing I want to make emphasis on this one too. It's both yourself and others. Um, I myself, I can say quite often, this is a thing I've had to work in, in, in the last couple of years. It's sort of uh, overlaps with this a little bit but a lot of negative self-talk to myself. I will make mistakes on a thing and then it's just, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I can't, you know, I'm just, I never get this right. It's it, things like that. Maybe, and sometimes it's not even that many examples. It's literally, I make one mistake on this thing and it's just like, then I think of myself every time. I just can't do this. And then I, then that negative self-talk perpetuates itself and then I can't, it becomes a reality. I believe that I can't do this thing. And it's not to say that, you know, you always can, but sometimes setting up these expectations leads to those results. And that's for yourself, at least. And then others, you know, it leads to all sorts of other issues. If you set the expectation, if you have the expectation that someone can't deliver on this thing, or that this person is always rude, or that this person is always selfish, you're going to start to treat them like that. And often that's going to, even if it doesn't cause them to act in that way, it will cause friction. And then that friction and can kind of justify the label and it's then it starts to perpetuate itself um this one can be really hard to sort of untangle it's a thing that i've had to do a lot for myself is is to really work to untangle this and when i find those thoughts that can tie into this when i find those self those automatic thoughts that come up that's a that's a thing i talked about in the previous episode uh, the, the previous time we talked about this topic i didn't realize until i went to therapy just how much thinking I would do automatically, subconsciously. I didn't process it, but just uh, an event would happen and my brain would trigger a thought like the the negative self-talk would just pop into my head. I wouldn't create that thought consciously every time it happens, but it became a pattern where I did that, this would come, that thought would come up and then it would help to reinforce itself. So that particular one is one that I've worked at. Uh, number nine, so the, the, the next one is always be being right. Um, so this is a pattern where the person always needs to be right. And this, they internalize that their opinions are facts. And so they don't accept 
being wrong. And so they'll go to great lengths to demonstrate their beliefs. Uh, their examples is two people at work have a disagreement about a technical part of the project should be executed. Uh, one person believes this should be done their way because that's how it's always been done. But the other argues based on facts that there are industry standard procedures that should be followed. And the first person completely ignores them because this is they're they're in this this is how this should be done and they've kind of replaced the facts of why we do the things with their own opinions or their own experiences and this again unfortunately i think we we probably uh have examples that we can think of 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 this so i'm going to move on to the next one which is probably the biggest one on this list that i that i deal with and that is should statements so this distortion is statements of what a person should do, must do, or even shouldn't do. And unfortunately, you didn't see me do air quotes and all those, but that's what the, the article does. And, and it's putting emphasis on those particular words. Um, so these are statements that are enforced on themselves or others. And again, for, for me, this is mostly myself, but I, I will also sometimes hold other people to this. And then that creates um, imposing sets of expectations that are not likely to be met. It creates guilt and frustration, especially with myself, anger and resentment with others. Um, their example is uh, statements like I should be exercising more, create expectations that are not likely to be met. The pressure created from the should statements makes it difficult to meet the expectations. And then when failure occurs, it creates guilt and frustration, makes you less likely to make another attempt. For, for myself, it's things, I'll be honest, like this month, I knew um, Mental Health Awareness Month was coming up. This was a big thing that we were planning to do. We do it every year. We've talked about it. Um, I knew that Hobbes was was putting a lot of work into planning and coordinating and, and, and working with a lot of other content uh, folks to get the charity stream going and so i felt like okay well i should that means i should step up and take care of some a lot of the other stuff and a lot of the planning for this month and we definitely i have done some but i haven't done as much as i felt that i should um and so that started to to build into some guilt and some frustration um i don't have a I know I've talked about it in the podcast before. I'm not going to go into too many details, but uh, recently was diagnosed with sleep apnea. I have not been getting as much sleep. I've not been getting the rest restful sleep lately. Working through that, have some positive progress there, which is great. But it means that I'm just more tired than I have been um, for for a while. So that has made it tougher. I don't always have the energy, and so that's where I didn't meet the expectations that I had for myself, and it's fine to have those expectations for myself. But for me in this situation, the problem was not so much that I had these expectations, but it was that then what I didn't meet them and it was okay. Cause we've worked it out. I mean, if you're, you're listening to this, this is our third episode this month. We've posted it on time. Presumably I goes the podcasting time travel. I guess I don't know for sure, but um, this is we're, the reason we're doing something quick and easy. So we can try to get this up uh, this week still without uh, a lot of work and having to coordinate our schedules. And we have one episode left to do, which we're already planning on it. And I think it's going to be a good episode. So we're going to hit the goal. We'll, we'll the, the, the end goal of four, you know, four weeks, four episodes all on mental health, Plus Hobbs, you know, with his work on the the charity stream, uh, I think we were going to do that. But there's still this feeling of guilt, this feeling of frustration and disappointment in myself because I didn't get as much work done beforehand. I didn't get as much prep and things ready to go as I wanted to. And so we had to scramble just a little bit this week um, to do this. And, and it's fine. 
it's fine that that happened, but this expectation that I had for myself was that that we shouldn't have to scramble. I should have it all ready to go. So we're, well, I'm working through that <laughs> right now. Well, I actually, I say a lot of it. I did talk to Tops, Hobbs beforehand, and we've kind of figured out what we're doing for the rest of the month, and that helps a lot to then sort of quell that a little bit to myself and say, no, no, we we are going to hit this goal, and what we've put out this month has been really good. So I, I'm moving past that, but that is a thing that comes up. And like I said, this is one for myself. This is probably the most common that I run into all the time. All of the things that I feel I should be doing and that I shouldn't be doing and that I end up doing and that I end up not doing. And it's, well, it's a thing. That's why this is all a progress. A, pro- a progress. This is, why this is all a process. And we all just kind of work through what we work through and we just try to improve things. Um, there's a as I guess it's not a random aside and taking tangents when I'm sitting here talking to a microphone by myself feels very on brand, but I'll just say one of um, the expressions I got from my dad a long time ago that I, I love um, is he'll just say progress, not perfection. That's his thing. Um, it's, it's just a matter of trying to make progress. It's not a matter of being perfect. It's not a matter of getting it right every time, getting it perfect every time. And it's, you know, there's the, what is the perfect is the enemy of the good or thing like that too, where sometimes aiming for perfection causes you to put way too much work or not be ready to send the thing out there when it is just fine and it'll do exactly what it needs to do. All sort of things that I need to tell myself a lot of the time. <laughs> so hopefully by me telling y'all it, it's helpful for someone out there too, but I'm going to move on to number 11 uh, of 15 here on our list. So number 11 is emotional reasoning. Um, whatever, uh, whatever emotion a person's feeling during this thought distortion must be true in their mind. Um, so then this is accepted as fact and, um, become an all logical reasoning is blocked out. They, they incorrectly assume that the negative feeling, um, brought out by their emotions is the only truth. So their example, uh, as you may, you may be feeling uh, lonely because at this moment you are by yourself and your friends are off doing something fun. However, from this feeling, you then assume that no one loves you or wants to be around you. Say again, potentially some overlap here with, with a previous one. Um, and I hope that I'm not making too much noise with my gesticulating. Now that I'm sitting here talking by myself, for some reason, my hands are doing a lot more motion than they normally do when I'm having a conversation uh, on the podcast with someone else. So I'm, I'm hoping I'd like, I just hit my mic. I hope I, that wasn't too, uh, too loud and distracting. Um, but anyway, so like emotional reasoning, I think that that makes a lot of sense here. That is, is pretty straightforward. So it, it's, it is totally made in this example, you know, you're feeling lonely because you're by yourself, which is something I can currently identify with. And your friends are off doing something fun. Um, obviously had that before too. There's times where my friends are going to do a thing that I can't go with for whatever reason. I've work in the morning. They don't, they get to go out and do, do some fun activities, feeling lonely perfectly normal. That is absolutely a normal feeling to have. And there's nothing wrong with having that feeling. If you are experiencing that, the distortion here is that based on that feeling, you assume that no one loves you despite the fact, despite any fact, like despite whatever it is, like, you know, if your friends are, we're just over in the three, you know, I, I can just think of examples years ago when, when I would, was hanging out with my first roommate and a friend of ours. And so our, our the third, you know, third friend would come over or second, I guess, depending on how you're counting. So there were three total of us. This other guy would come over and three of us would hang out. Then it would be my bedtime because I had work the next day and the two of them would leave 
with the apartment to go do something else, which right there says that they were con being considerate of me, giving me the space so that I could go to sleep and that they wouldn't keep me awake. It's like, but despite that, you know, in, in this situation, I say this is something that I didn't experience too much, but in that situation, if I was feeling that no one loved me, that is literally the opposite of what just happened. They they left to give me that space to and and we had just all were hanging out. If if they truly didn't love me or want to be around me, they would have left beforehand and just left me alone to spend the evening by myself before going to bed. But instead, we all hang out, then they leave. So that that's why this is a, a cognitive distortion. So moving on to the, the next, these are control fallacies. Um, they are cognitive distortions defined by two beliefs, external, uh, the external and internal control fallacies. So the external is the belief that a person's life is completely controlled by external factors and fate has already been decided. Um, so they feel they have absolutely no control over their situation. Their example here, a person cheats and lies to their partner um, when they leave. They feel that it was all the other person's fault for leaving. Uh, they think that they had no control over what happened, but they fail to see how their actions affected the, uh, what happened to them. Uh, again, talking about the messing around and finding out. This is a person who does something you know, that negatively affects their partner. The partner leaves, and now it's the partner's fault for leaving, despite you know the the contributions that this this person had to the situation. Um, the internal control is the belief that the person has complete control of themselves and their surroundings. Um, it assumes you're responsible for the pain and happiness of those around you. If someone isn't happy, they will assume it was their fault. Uh, so their example is a colleague makes a technical error on a task at work. It created severe consequences for other tasks. You feel guilty and responsible because when you reviewed their work, you missed the mistake. I'll say this I feel myself and to a degree that is way too much um i feel guilty for trying to take time off at work sometimes i i have issues this is a thing that i do have worked through and especially i've worked with my team for for a number of years now so i feel a lot more comfortable leaving tasks for them to work but anytime that i a, a action I take at work causes other people to have to do more work, I feel guilt. I feel a little bit of guilt. And it's like, but that's the whole point of having multiple people in a team. That's the whole point of having coworkers cross-trained is so that we can take time off. We have to do that. It's a thing we have to do, but I still feel a little bit of guilt whenever I, I ask for days off. And then uh, particularly if someone already has the day off, because then if there's two of us off, that just increases the workload on the rest of the team. It's still something that can be done. And I myself have have gladly been one of the the two people. We have a, a four person team plus our supervisor, but I've I've myself have have gladly taken on extra work to to allow my teammates to to take time off. Though I'll be honest, I think a lot of us have the same internal control fallacy. Oh, I had a coworker who has had issues with that, and um, sometimes ends up with with extra vacation time at the end of the year and it's it's like requires some pressure to take time off and and thankfully like last year actually was not bad at all they they definitely took time off early and it made that made it easier but it's 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 also that i suppose is an example of too if you have an issue like that where you're feeling guilty about taking time off and fortunately i for us we work for a company that gives us a, a good amount of time off what is like if you then so you don't take it and you get to the end of the year and you have to take it or you lose a bunch of it suddenly now you actually are putting more work on your team because there isn't the same amount of time to spread it out and end things. And so sometimes those consequences do kind of catch up to you. Um, 
uh, fallacy of change is the next one. Uh, this thought distortion assumes that others should change to suit their own interest. <laughs> so a person will pressure others to, ch to, to change because they feel change will bring them happiness. And they're convinced that the happiness is dependent on the person changing. Um, so their example, a person might pressure their partner to change a few of their manners. They believe their partner is perfect in every other way except those few minor things and expect these changes will make them even happier. Um, so uh, I think this one's pretty straightforward. I don't have a lot to add to this. So I'll just uh, move on to the next one because I've actually been recording a lot longer than I was expecting. Uh, fallacy of fairness assumes all things in life should be applied and measured based on fairness and equity. However, in reality, not all things work out that way. Um, and we feel angry and resentful towards those things in life. Uh, I, again, this makes sense. I think a lot of, of, of folks and, and if there's, I think it's something to add to this too. And they're talking about some, some other stuff in their example, but, um, Obviously, we know life is not fair, and that's a thing that gets mentioned a lot. Unfortunately, it sometimes gets used as a bludgeon for people who are actually trying to make real, actual changes. That's a whole other topic that I don't really need to get into, but so that's one thing to look for here. But there is some idea, too, of fairness in situations, uh, completely, completely arbitrary example from like 20 years ago, maybe not even that far, 15 or something, at work. I don't even know how we got these. Um, there were people were cleaning at an old warehouse and somewhere they had these big cardboard cutouts of, of animals or mascots or something. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not even perfectly clear on the situation because I just heard about it secondhand. Um, but somebody who was a, a temp in the department saw those, said, hey, do we need these? Why are these here? If we don't need them, can I just take them? And the manager was like, yeah, we, we don't know why they're here. We don't need them at all. We would, we would actually put them in the garbage. If you have a use for them, you want them, you take them. That's great. Then they're not being just thrown away. Um, and then a different coworker responded to that, grumbled to that. They didn't speak up because this kind of the person's uh, this MO. They weren't uh, going to try to work out work this out and said they just wanted to kind of be grumble and, and be resentful about it talking about how well it's not fair that this person got to take them all and they're only a temp so you know why did everybody get a chance to get some and when this person could very much have have spoken up and said hey i would like some could i take one or two and work that out instead they just kind of grumbled about that but it, it's this is a situation where it's like also, fairness is in the eye of the beholder sometimes, too, because in this situation for her, it wasn't fair that someone got to take all of them. But also that person is the one who asked for it and saw them and identified this is a thing that we don't need. Could I just take them? So you didn't say anything about it. Had they not said anything about it, you wouldn't have gotten them anyway. So there's, I don't know, I, I hope... <laughs> This example kind of fits. It felt it felt right, right. but uh, move on to the last example that they have in this uh, this article. Here is the heaven's reward fallacy. Um, they say it's based on the fallacy of fairness and that we live in a fair world and will be rewarded fairly. So this distortion is based on the reason that you should be rewarded based on how hard you work. Similar to the fallacy of fairness, you'd be disappointed. Most things in reality aren't fair. Um, I'm not quite sure how these differentiate too much, but. It makes sense. The, the same thing. I think there's there's situations where things are not going to always work out. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean, and to be honest, that doesn't necessarily mean things are unfair either. You don't always have all the information. But again, this these cognitive distortions are things that tend to lead to frustration and anger and resentment because it's it's you seeing this is how things should work 
or this is how I think things work, or there's the filters that are in your head that run information through these filters. And then that information coming out, that those feelings coming out, those thoughts coming out in a way that causes resentment and anger and, and tends to then build towards more negative things. Um, so that is this whole list. Like I said, I was thinking I would be much, uh, much quicker with this. So hopefully that um, helped. I Please, you know, let us there's any feedback you have, please check out this article. There's a lot of good information in here in our, in our previous episode. I'm sure this is a topic we will revisit. I am shocked that this is the first time we've revisited it. I, like I said, I swear that we had done at least two episodes on this. Maybe we did a second episode and I missed it in the planner, but I'm pretty sure we this is the only one we did was about two years ago um, when I was looking through our, our planning documents. So this is a topic we will definitely come back to. I know this is one that Hobbes really likes to talk to. It's obviously it's a topic that I can talk about because I just spent almost an enormous episode length just talking by myself, which I thought I wouldn't do. Um, generally for me, the, the conversation with other people is what really helps me kind of get things going. Maybe it helped that I was running down a list here that gave me sort of something to build off of. But any event... I'm going to wrap this up. Um, so please, you know, check out the resources if you need. I know we've had them in our show notes for a while, but I don't think we've called out the fact um, that for the last few years, every single episode, we, we started as a, as, as a um, mental health awareness thing, but now every single episode has uh, resources in our show notes. Um, if you feel that you need to talk to somebody, if you're going through some things that you're struggling um, please check that. There are some some websites for information. There are some uh, warm lines and, and suicide hotlines. There are there's also a list of international ones because a lot of obviously we're we're based in the U.S. So a lot of our stuff is is for the United States, but we do have a list um, of international resources in there too. So if you are listening and you are not in the U.S., we do have some resources. I don't know that we necessarily have some that represent everywhere, but. There are some resources in, in the show notes, so please make use of those if you feel you need to. Please give those to other people if they you know, feel like they, they need something. Um, also, I want to say we, we were going to say this like a month ago, and then we kind of have forgotten in every single episode because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, but we got YouTube working again. <laughs> so we, or Hobbs got work, YouTube working again. So our episodes are being posted on YouTube now um, as of about a month ago. So this is just audio. There's no video to it. But if you are someone who can uh, pull up YouTube and, and get audio content off of YouTube easier than you can other podcasting uh, places, that is where like I normally go. But if, whatever, you know, we want to be available where people are, are using the service. So if, if there's also if there's another service, you know, let us know. We can see if we can get on there. But um, so we are on YouTube now. Uh, or back on YouTube. I, I think we had some episodes that were posting on there a while ago, but it, I, there's like a two or three year cap because at one point some, uh, I don't even know what it is. So I don't know why I'm trying to explain what happened, but something happened in the feed and stuff stopped getting out there. But Hobbs figured it out, got the pre, uh, now all of our episodes should be posting there um, as they get posted everywhere else. Unfortunately, it didn't backfill. 
Um, but we have about a month worth up there. And I, I just want to thank everybody um, as, as I close here, just in the community, everyone who interacts with us. Obviously, the stuff over this, this weekend was just incredible. Um, all the all the people who came out to to support mental health awareness and who donated, even who were just present and participated in the events. I know there was a lot of magic played. There was a, a panel um, talking to Hobbs. Obviously, it's one day after when I'm recording this. It's one day after the event, so we don't. Nothing is figured out for sure next year, but he's really hoping uh, to do multiple panels um, next year. I'm excited about that because frankly, I don't really play online magic. I don't really, I don't, webcam magic just isn't really for me. I tried watching some of the games throughout the weekend. It's just hard for me to follow. It, for me, it's it's just not a thing. I love, I'm so ecstatic and so glad that webcam magic exists for everyone else that who can engage with that content. It's, it's that's fantastic. And I love that that medium exists, but for me, it just doesn't work, and so I'm I'm hopeful. I'm excited about the the, the potential next year for multiple panels because that's some content that I feel like I can participate in um, a lot more readily than than the games that have been the content in the past. So we'll see what happens with that. If you did um, participate, if you did um, watch or, or 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 take part of any of that content this weekend and have some feedback, please direct that to to Hobbs or, or some of the folks who were who were running that. Um, I, I I know every year they've been trying to make this thing you know bigger and better and figure out what else we can do to kind of really help with this. And this year, um, go to Hobbs for for updates because he has all the the final numbers and stuff. But it was it was really good. I mean, I said he he should have said that beforehand. Um, so a, thank you for that, but also thanks for supporting us just in general. Um, this podcast, we've been going for almost four years. We will have our four year, uh, anniversary next month at some point, and we got to figure out what to do with that. I guess I should get that, uh, you start getting that worked out. Um, but just the community support has been so much to us. And that's been a big thing that has kept us going. Um, I mean, it, it, it's been also helpful for him and I, it's a great way for him and I to keep in contact, despite the fact that we're in the same city, we have not seen each other much, uh, during the pandemic years, because that's kind of how that worked. But so the podcast has been helpful for that, but also just the support from everybody has really, we would have found another way to keep in contact if, if. We, if we weren't doing the podcast, but that is so helpful. It's so been, been so nice. Um, really appreciate that when we take breaks or when things are going on, um, the, all that support, both of us and in each other. I know in our discord, we mention that every so often. And if you do want to join our discord, uh, let us know, or maybe Hobbs, I know he can get people in a problem. I probably could too. If you want to contact me, we really appreciate how supportive the people out there have been too. And so just everybody, you know, as we're going through this mental health awareness month, we have one week left after you're listening to this. We have one more episode coming out this month. Uh, obviously, that isn't the end of mental health for us, topics for us, but it'll we'll probably take a, a bit of a break. I know uh, I'm working on one particular episode for for that we'll probably do in June that I'm excited about. But just you know, take care of yourself. You're not alone if you're going through issues. We, there's people who can help, and and just take care of each other too. Um, appreciate it, and uh, have a good day. And that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. Hotsku can be found at Hotsku, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter, or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmoke, the cast can be found at patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vinder.com.
who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>